Fitness or fiction. Welcome back to another episode of Cutting Through the Hype. Yeah, and Curtis had to he cut his sleeves, but he had to reattach them. Yeah, there's there's multiple We had multiple pleats. complaints. Many These are pleats. Yeah, we had many complaints of the viewership not appreciate seeing your awkwardly large size arms. So L Juice even made a, a comment on supplement usage. Thanks for that, LJ. On the sauce? Yeah, well he was saying maybe the sauce is involved as opposed to coming squat as much. Coming from a guy whose nickname is L Juice. Well, who's he to call anybody out on juice matters? Well, I just get fired up when it gets brought up. It is a problem in our industry, but it's not one that I particularly deal with. We should talk about that in a future episode. We should. So um, today, the first thing we're going to do is talk about what happened last day. Um, So last time was a matzo ball. The big episode of why. Why are we podcasting? Because we like to talk to each other. That's right. The end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that episode, I think it was, it was good. It was kind of scary though, because it was so tangential. Tangential. That's a new word for me. Mm-hmm. Use it in a better sentence than that. That conversation was incredibly oh tangential. Oh my God. You, that's the same way you used it. I know it. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, tangential. The trip to my house was quite tangential. So it was nice. Well, no, that would mean I went in a lot of directions that weren't home. <laughs> oh. Uh, maybe it was nice, Sunday drive, but... I took... Okay, so <laughs> last time uh, we talked about exactly what this podcast is about, which really can be boiled down to we want to create discernment for the viewer, listener, etc. Yeah? Yeah, breaking down, breaking down all the hype of the fitness industry because everything's just turned into a 10-second, 15-second TikTok video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it can also go the direction of... What is the best way to lose weight? It's a it's a marketing thing, and I get why it is, but that's... Cookie cutter solutions for everything, and... Yeah, it doesn't tell the whole story. We're going to get into that today a little bit, but the conversation is more... It's a broader discussion than just, here's the answer, especially if it's not applied to a particular setting. Yeah, so for this episode specifically, we're going to touch base on the responses that we got. We asked a question to our audience on what's the... What's the first step that you would do to lose weight? Was that a rough question? Yeah, when you're trying to lose weight, what's the first thing you'd do? We put that on our social media. So we got a bunch of responses back between me and you, you, say like average 75 or something like that? Yeah, it it was good. It was good. We got lots of people talking. So we got a lot of responses. That's what today's episode's about. We're going to dig into those responses and kind of give our two cents on the matter. Yeah, but first, I want to hear some wins from your week. You, clients, family. Weekly wins? Yeah, I want to hear weekly wins. I did get a new client, yes. Oh, okay. An old client. A new old client. A new old client. A client who was a client of mine seven years ago, and she was actually joined our club as a trainer back in the day, and uh, was an apprentice of mine when I was mentoring trainers. Name? Shay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's back with me. Hey, hey, Shay. Hey, hey, Shay. Um, She's awesome lady. Awesome. I really, I really like her. She's got good energy, good vibes. Um, more people to help. That's exciting. I'll call that a weekly win for sure. That's a weekly win. Weekly win for my training, I guess. You know, my training's kind of been a bit sporadic. I have a hard time sticking to a program just in general. I like to play too much and I get bored easily. I think people associate being called a hippie with something bad, but you know, I I consider it like a certain sort of free. 
Yeah. So I'm a free spirit. You're a free spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I was trying to follow a program from you for a little while and then I had some stomach issues and then I really started missing weightlifting. So I weightlifted right now. I'm trying to do weightlifting twice a week and then hand balancing once a week because I really want to unlock one arm handstand. I was able to hold my balance with the one arm handstand, trying to find my positioning with uh, Diane supporting me. And uh, the strength is definitely there, but just the skill is not. Coordination. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a different game, like balancing on one hand versus two. Big, big difference. Well, yeah, I'm not going to get too far into that because I don't even have two in me right now. So Yeah, but that was fun. Those were, I guess those were my wins. I got some clients. I was, I don't nice. know if being busy is a win. Can be. When you're trying to help people, more people to help can be good, unless it's more than you want. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. How was your week? Oh, I got weekly wins out the wazoo. So Will did six rounds around the monkey bars this week. Nonstop? Yeah, nonstop. He was up for just over four and a half minutes. He's got some monkey grip on him. Yeah. Well, it helps being 40 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I didn't think he'd be as amazing as he is on the monkey bars this early. But yeah, he watched some Ninja Warrior with me and now that's on break and we've been watching the Olympics and he's like, hey daddy, can I go do the monkey bars in the garage? And I'm like, yeah, that's what they're there for. Let's go. Yeah. But yeah, he got six rounds and now he's shooting for seven, but that's 31 bars per round. So we're getting up to 180 bars. That's a lot. Um, Yeah. So he's, he is actually outdoing how long I can go. Yeah, I'm not at 180 bars. I, I might be able to fight for 150, but it's too bad that little shop engineation closed down because he's getting to that age now where he can actually start to appreciate it. When he was younger, I don't think he could fully appreciate the obstacle courses. Yeah, that's okay. We'll set up some other stuff for him. But yeah, that was a win, and he starts karate tonight. So after this, going to pick him up and go to karate. He's all excited about that. I'm sure I'll pay the price. But day one. Yeah, day one today, big day, Ooh. and then. Uh, Lucas has been talking more. He had a few interesting things to say, and he's been spiking the bar like a champ. And he's actually doing the monkey bars. He just turned three, and he's he can go around twice. I'm kind of still holding on to his legs because that, that whole 11-foot ceiling. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a big drop. Yeah, so I'm holding on to him, but I don't think I need to anymore, which is, that's a big deal. But yeah, it's it's really cool to watch that movement come together. Yeah, he's a little savage with his weightlifting. Yeah, he throws the bar around. He spikes it like a champ. Yeah, he's literally like one of the memes that I've seen where this little little baby grabs the bar and screams and just tosses it. Lucas reenacted that completely. He's a, he's a quiet assassin. He he just goes up nice and calm and then just unleashes the Until beast. Until he murders you, and then he's really yeah. loud. Yeah. <sighs> and then for me, I started my my lane swimming once a week. I used to do competitive swimming in high school, and uh, swimming is not the same as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, when you haven't done it for like a couple decades, it, lane swimming is kind of the devil, but good for the leg. And I started my running training this week which is really kind of walking drills but started Mm -hmm. with a guy named nick simpson at vital strength and he was really good with me gave me a few drills that made me feel better on my feet so i'm happy with that good so yeah wins yeah Yeah, pretty good week lifting some weights as well doing some big boy front squats did some front squats did some snatches big boy front squats (laughs) yeah call it what it is (laughs) (laughs) it was barefoot which was i haven't done barefoot front squats in a while that yeah felt different so change the game on you yep yeah it's good though i've been working on that split squat the scissor variation that henrik taught me Mm -hmm. and that that has been applicable yeah so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah applicability so but that's uh the weekly wins 
this segment brought to you by nobody other than us right now. Nespresso. Yeah, it's Nespresso. Please. Didn't last long. Yeah. She gone. Yeah. So, getting into today, let's talk about the data. So, we put out the question, um, you're trying to lose weight. What's the first thing you do? I was actually pretty surprised by this. I, I was certain that more people would tell me it's a crappy question because it kind of is. And that was by design. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like the question... Like the more I thought about it, again, every person that answered made me think a little bit about it. So every answer I got, I had to kind of like, I actually tried to understand where they were coming from and then go back to my own personal view. So each each answer I was getting was kind of like shaping my own personal view set. Don't you on love the matter. that? Yeah, oh. it it's, takes me away from my ego of thinking that I have all the answers or that I know what's best. Especially, I think, after being a trainer for 10 years, I used to joke around when I mentor people and be like, you're the boss. Like, people are paying you for your expertise and your guidance, so you have to tell them what's best. But th that can shape... It at least shaped me into a way that started to frame me to feel like I, I had most of the answers required, which I don't feel like I do anymore. Yeah, kind of getting away from the hubris of I know the answer is... I, I actually find it really exciting engaging with people on social media. Because everything that they say, whether I agree with it or disagree with it or somewhere in the middle. I think that it's really interesting to see people's perspectives, but should we talk about the data? Let's let's do one category each. What do you think? The hard hitting data. Sure, you go first. Okay. So when it comes to weight loss, what's the first thing you do? Um, the first answer was something along the lines of inner work. So there's a few people actually mentioned manage my stress first, which I actually found pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, then there was a couple of people that had talked about, you know, figure out my why some people said smart goal setting which you know all good answers yeah um, what, what motivates you yeah so there was that group of do the inner work first it ended up comprising about 15 people in the total respondents that sounds nice respondents the total tally yeah i got the big one so lucky 26 people or 26 total responses was essentially changing some form or aspect of their diet a lot of it was generic of like cut carbs cut sugar drink more water some people went even into way deeper like well you got to do intermittent fasting you got to calculate your bmr and then uh, do a deficit of 250 calories like very specific like scientific approaches and things like that right but the biggest category we got out of all those questions summarized was people think to start with the diet first when you're losing weight yeah i even had one guy say i just start doing overnight oats in the morning for my for my breakfast which uh, okay cool specific maybe maybe they're getting away from something that is a bad a bad habit or something like that with that and but i found it incredibly specific but you know including depending on what you put in that you could have your good fats some protein some good fiber so it can it can be a real game changer i had someone say pay somebody else to eat your food nice <laughs> i had someone say cut off a limb yeah, so because you'd lose weight fast. Those are definitely strategies you can approach, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> next commitment, next category. <laughs> okay, so the third one uh, was people that thought exercise first. I thought this would comprise a much larger portion of the respondents, um, but it ended up just being ten people, mm -hmm. and it was you know start walking after meals. Really good idea. Walking after meals limits the amount of insulin response and helps aid digestion and a variety of good things, but. I thought there would be much more people on the side of exercise. We can discuss that when we get into our own thoughts. I personally, yeah, I thought more people were going to be on the form of exercise. And my argument for that, especially when I first answered the question, my viewpoint at the start, like I said, it shaped and changed as I went down the road. But at the first, I thought that exercise might be the best place to start personally because 
I felt that it was more rewarding and more satisfying than changing your diet. Whereas like when you have to eliminate delicious food and <laughs> dial it down into food that you don't like or meal prep because everyone hates that versus like if you can kind of just keep those habits but add an exercise and you get the the dopamine and the serotonin, like the good hormones from doing some work that I'm like, well, that feels more rewarding than cutting out your McDonald's or your pizza for something healthier. So I'm like, and then I thought that it could turn into a snowball effect of like, well, after three to six months of adding exercise, then you can be like, oh man, I would actually get better results if I tied in the nutrition after this. So I thought at the start, I thought exercise was going to be the place to go personally. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more for sure. I, I thought exercise would be much more popular myself, but I think, I do think that there's this kind of phenomenon of when you're answering a question, you want to kind of be right with, be right mm. with like what you feel like the literature says. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll get into that later, but yeah, I think there is part of that. And then the last thing was, um, hire, hire somebody, hire professional Yeah, four people said that they should hire somebody, whether that was a personal trainer or a nutritionist or support, whatever. I was happy. I was encouraged to see that somebody thought of that. Mm -hmm. Like being, that being my job, I was, I was encouraged that people see value in that. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah. So in total, what do we have? We have, um, 40, 50, 55 people that we were actually able to categorize. There was a few that we couldn't categorize. Yeah. Um, but and then to that point, a lot of answers were multiple answers. So yeah. we asked, like, what's the one thing that you can do to change to change like your weight loss journey? And people are like, this, that, this, that. It was like a bundle of information. Like, well, you got to cut sugar and drink water and you got to exercise and you can do intermittent fasting. And like, I'm going to do a cleanse. Like the answers started to compound. Yeah. And that's not one thing that you could do to change. Well... I think that analysis paralysis is something that everybody deals with. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people. Let's say a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the whole analysis paralysis thing is you take a task that you're trying to do and it gets to explode to be something so intricate that it doesn't get done because it's such a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge issue with habit forming, which is, it was interesting for me to see. I think it was about probably 40% of people said more than one thing, would you say? At least. Yeah, we could have tallied it, but we didn't. To go hand in hand with analysis paralysis to me is also an all or nothing mentality. People want the yeah. perfect program. They don't want to do a mediocre program. So they're like, oh, well, what's the best program? What's the best diet? What's the best way to approach my nutrition? What's the best strategy? Keto, intermittent fasting. And they only like they'll they'll put everything on freeze. Oh, I had a bad weekend. I'll start again on Monday. I'm going to eat this whole cake. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> going to start fresh on Monday. So the all or nothing mentality paired with analysis paralysis creates a, a lot of resistance. Lucas does the all or nothing thing. If he has an accident, he almost never has accidents. But if he does, one accident in a day, he'll have like three more. Really? I'm like, come on, man, at least try. He's like, like the can... day's over. No, seriously, he does it. At three years old, he does that. It's crazy. But anyways, um, so really, where, where do we want to go from here? Um, in my view, would you, would you agree that there is kind of a set sort of standard thing that we can agree on on what you should do when we ask a question like this a set standard thing what do you mean like so if we if we were to break this into little digestible pieces mm -hmm. my view is that you should probably get into what the question is first to make sure you're asking the right question we talked about that a lot in what this podcast is about yeah answering the right question is a, a paramount start yeah and i just wish more people queried 
the question. Mm-hmm. Like, just one person writing back, well, I had I had actually had a couple people be like, well, why would I want to lose the weight? Which is, in my view, probably one of the best places you can go. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so if I want to lose weight, what's the first thing I do? I, I think that we need to qualify and establish that first statement a little more. Are you on board with me on that one or am I getting... No. Again, this is where I was... I didn't, I wasn't on board with you at the start. When I first queried the question, I put it down. My brain was kind of paired with everybody else, to be honest. In my head, like I said, I thought exercise was the first route. And I, I also thought that different strokes for different folks, like there's different, like different approaches are going to be best for different people. Right. But I definitely went straight to the logistics first rather than digging into the why or understanding more so. Yeah. I think in some ways it's just easier because you don't have to put in the extra work to really really dig into it and think about like, okay, so weight loss, what does this mean to me? And I think people avoid that though, because when you start digging into the why, you're starting to dig into people's emotions. And, and they get the pre-cry lip quiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pre-cry. Yeah, you start digging into the emotion. And a lot of the times, like I said, you know, when people are looking to lose weight, it's it's a negative thing that you've, like it's a negative thing that you've tacked on or you perceive it as negative and that's why you want to get rid of it. Well, I think that's that's normal, though. Like, almost any behavior that you're trying to do, it's going to be, well, if I'm trying to go somewhere else, likely where I'm at isn't a good place. Yeah, I'm trying to go somewhere better. Yeah, so that's something to give voice to for sure. That So when you're doing the inner work, in my view, there's a few things that need to happen. And inner work, it's a, it's a really big topic. We're going to get into habit-forming discussion, yeah? Mm-hmm. So... Which is, again, the logistics of it. It's not the right. it's not the why. Habit forming is primarily logistics. So even before that, in, in the way that I perceive goals and, oh, I don't want to say motivation, but... Say it. Let's say successful planning. Okay. First success. That's a lot of words. I don't know. Motivation. Um, so <laughs> if we're going to embark on something like this, we should really understand first what it is specifically that you're trying to do. So I love the smart goal setting concept. That's a good thing. Specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-oriented. But smart goals, again, is logistics, not emotion. So before we even get there, for me, it's like, okay, so I've established I want to be X, Y, or Z. Why do I see value in that? And what am I willing to go through to get there? Yeah, that's a big one that caught my eye. Um, one of my friends, Kyle, mentioned on my post, sacrifice. And he didn't really dig into the why he wants to lose weight, but his his first place was like, well, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to get this? This is what he would assess first, especially because, you know, like he likes he likes his sweets or like chips and things like that. He's like, well, what am I willing to sacrifice? How much can I sacrifice to see if it lines up with the, the SMART goals first? Yeah, so... I, I like that. It's a good idea. Like, if you can establish what the value is and who you're trying to be, because we talk about this whole motivation thing. The reason I say motivation is not a good way to look at it is because motivation is going to be high or low, but the habit and the behavior is what's going to get you there. Instead of being self-loathing about having low motivation, mm-hmm. you're building the right habits and behaviors to to actually get you there well and the problem with this sacrifice mentality is if he's thinking about just sacrifice and he's thinking about taking away stuff that he loves rather than what the reward is going to be at the end of it so it's only like half of that that why question totally why being 
oh, I'm going to gain something good, but I have to retract something bad. He's only thinking about retracting something bad, which is not going to be that motivating because you're just taking away good things. Yeah, well, and I, I have had clients in the past that, you know, they're, they'll send me a message like, oh, I don't know, in the last six months I've gained two or three pounds. Should we back off on the weights? It's like, listen, like the total weight that you're at, is that a definition of where you're at? Well, I'm, I'm starting to look more muscular than I want to look. It's like, okay, well, we can change the routine to, uh, to avoid that um, and really stick to more of like neurological stimulus and more aerobic type stimulus and that sort of thing. But the idea that somebody's weight really matters is interesting. Like the way that gravity acts on you is provides you with a value of, of who you're, who you are or like my ideal weight, that whole thing really crushes me. Yeah. There was a big bang episode on that big bang theory where Sheldon mentions that. Do you yeah. remember the quote? Can you say it or no? I don't remember the quote. It was something about the girl Penny and where he's like, Oh, are you part of that? Like that weird part of society that attributes your like self value and self worth to your, your weight, like the gravitational pull on your weight. Yeah. Interesting. And walked away all quirky and weird. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I, are you calling me a nerd? Because I just said that. Yeah, you're my Sheldon Cooper, except with big biceps. <laughs> I, I want to see Sheldon Cooper with big biceps. I think that would be fun. We could Photoshop it. Yeah, we should do it. Okay, so basically the first thing in my view that should be done in a perfect world would be the person understanding what it is they want and why they want it. So if we can get specificity of this is what I want. Just one person I wanted to say, what do you mean weight loss? Are you talking about fat loss? Because just saying weight loss, you can actually have a really big argument with for me, fat loss is something that you can say is superior to weight loss in a lot of ways. It's just harder to measure. Mm -hmm. So we can get there. Okay, specifically, I want fat loss. What is my motivation for wanting this? Um, I think that there's two camps. Like there's, there's people that are like, well, you should be happy with who you are. And I don't disagree with that. But there's a, a pretty good breadth of research saying that you should probably keep your fat to a certain level or it starts impacting your health. Yeah. So let's just let's just say that you're going to fall within healthy. You're doing this in a healthy way. You have good reasons for wanting to lose body fat, not just weight. Okay. So we have that. Then we need to start planning. Is that fair to say? Okay. I've done I've done the inner work to understand what it is that I want, how that fits with my value system. And one thing that's really common for the people that I deal with is I want to model good behavior for my kids and be the best I can for my kids. Mm -hmm. That to me is stellar motivation. I know who I'm doing this for. And I often talk to them about, well, is it for you? Like, is, is there a piece for you? Because that's a great motivation, but like, is there something for you in that? Yeah. I've thought about that and I don't even have kids yet, but it's been on my brain. Yeah. I'm like the example that I want to set for the future. Totally. Yeah. That's a, it's a big thing, but let's say, okay, we've, we've done the, the inner work. It's like, okay. So for me, I know my value system and what I want to do with my body. I'm not where I could be as far as energy performance, whatever. So I want to lose some body fat. Great. Once that's done, we're going to start figuring out our smart goals and logistics and things like that. But Really, if you break this into to three things, we're going to leave behind hire somebody because it, it's still going to kind of deal with the three variables that we're going to talk about. But you've, you've basically got, well, what are we going to do as far as habit forming? And then we've got our diet and exercise. 
And mm-hmm. in my view, diet and exercise are both great answers. But what trumps those is actually talking about the behaviors, the routines to actually get this done. Mm-hmm. Would you be on board with that? or? Yeah, I think so. I think that also goes hand in hand as you go down this rabbit hole of, what is it, process, process-based process rewards versus uh, objective-based rewards. Objective yeah. being like hitting the end goal, like do you only celebrate when you lost five pounds or do you celebrate going to the gym three times a week for two months? Well, I would say the latter for sure. Like I, I think you have to celebrate the small wins and do our, our micro goal set first. And celebrate the processes because that's going to be the never-ending the never ending variable. Well, it's the old business thing, lead versus lag measure, right? Yeah. So the lead measure is, have I been going and doing what I'm supposed to? And, and the lag measure would be, what result did that get me? Mm-hmm. So, well, the big thing for me when we start talking about this, we can kind of discuss um, Atomic Habits. You've, you've read this book. It was a book that I engulfed myself in. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that book. The The big takeaways for me is that when we look at doing something like this, if it's a new behavior, the success rate on creating a new behavior is actually tremendously low. And I think most people know that when they look at like January resolutions and things like this. You just searched it up, did you not? What was the, did you catch the success rate of people? I, I think it was something like 76% of people fail. I'm not sure the and accuracy that, of those. That sounds, that sounds ballpark. I think most people would agree with when they start a new habit, it's got a low success chance. And then starting two habits at one time, it's dials it down to like less than 90%. Yeah. Like 90% of people fail. I think it's 30 some percent of the, of the pie that you already have for success. Only 30% of those people will be successful if they're taking on two behaviors instead of one. Mm -hmm. So I think we can agree that taking on one thing at first is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So that one thing for me, I would start, thinking about the habit itself rather than the logistics of what that actually is. Mm-hmm. So getting into said book, um, when, when we start talking atomic habits, it really talks about the four parts of forming a habit. It talks about cue, craving, response, and reward. So understanding setting this up for yourself is going to set you up for success is, is a huge win for me, like when I, if I have a client that's taking that step, I know that they're going to be much further along the board. So I have a current client that he loves white wine. And one step that he took to strategize around his own behavior is to move it out of areas that are easy to access. Yeah. Because he has a goal of losing a significant amount of weight. He has to be at a particular weight so that he can get a, a type of hernia surgery that they actually kind of weave together your own tissues to block off the hernia instead of putting in the the, the mesh yeah so so removing the wine out of the area where would that fall in regards to cue craving response so i i think that that gets right to the beginning of the chain so you know cue it's like okay so what's the thing that's going to kind of let me know that i need to do something so for him it was well when i'm leaving the office i have the fridge there and i can just grab a bottle mm-hmm so the cue would be, I see the fridge. Now when he sees the fridge, it has water in it. Yep. So the cue may give him the craving, but he actually can't take the response of, of actually having his glass of wine. So the reward of I feel relaxed when I drink wine is not there. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be an example of taking steps to avoid a negative behavior. Yeah. It's removing the resistance from 
it's making it harder to achieve or to obtain. Right. But then there's, if you look at like good research out of the UK, they talk about intention and habit forming where they had a control group. They had a group where they went through a presentation on the reasons to exercise. And then they had a third one where they went through that presentation and they had them sit down and write an intention. So writing down, okay, I plan to exercise this day, this day, and this day, this coming week. 96% of those people versus the control group was something just over 10%. And the second group was something just over, I think 20%. But 90% of the people that set an intention and started talking about the logistics of when they would exercise actually did it. Mm -hmm. So creating the cue was quite literally intention for them. Yeah. Which is so, interesting to me. Yeah. Well, even there's some research around too, just asking somebody if they're going to vote increases their chances of voting like drastically. Yeah. It just puts it on their plate. So yeah, I find that to be a really interesting thing. But as we get into atomic habits, creating the cue for yourself of this is when I'm going to X, um, is a really big thing. Um, so even having something set forward, like, well, I'm going to exercise more. It's like, what's the cue? Well, I am going to go for a walk four nights of the week after I eat dinner. That would be much stronger than I want to walk four times this week mm -hmm. because all of a sudden it becomes reality and, and that intentionality really in, improves chances. Yeah. The, like you're putting more details, more strategy into it. The more it's more of an investment overall. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's this book was, so I listened to the 20 minute summary of the book just to take a crash course on it. And I've talked a lot about habits before. To me, it's just, it's funny. I don't think people think about strategizing habits at all because this is essentially breaking down your habit into a strategy so you can be successful. I think a lot of people just take the, well, I want the habit of waking up at 5am in the morning. So I'm going to set my alarm at 5am. But then there's so many barriers to entry of like, well, I can hit the snooze. I can just not like I can forget to set it. I can sleep through it. You can do all these things that can hold you back from it. So having this strategy, this essential like hab habitual loop of cue, craving, response, reward. I don't think a lot of people strategize their habits. Well, and that's why it's important to talk about because habit forming isn't easy. And research will tell us that if the challenge in changing is greater than the challenge of staying the same, likely it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, to that point, and then that's again, that's reducing the resistance and increasing the ease of access, removing the wine from the fridge and putting water in the fridge instead. Even for myself, I know I like candy. I like candy at the end of the night, right? Yeah. And um, I think I told you this because I enjoy playing a game at the end of the night. I bought a bag of candy and I didn't actually normally what I do just habitually. I separate the candy into different Tupperware containers and that limits my candy intake. I'm only allowed so much sugar because I just grab one Tupperware container and I'm like, well, I'm only allowed the one. And I've told myself that I didn't have time to separate the bag. So I just grabbed the bag and came upstairs because I was in a rush, crushed the whole bag. Very unusual for me. I brought the bag down for Diane and she was like, holy crap, did you eat that whole bag of candy? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I did. Whoops. Like, but it was just because it was so easily accessible and I didn't enact that like long-term habit that I had of portioning myself out like that portion control that I've just kind of always done naturally just because I knew it was good for me yeah well and Sarah does this really well like she people often ask does your wife work out and I'm like yeah mm -hmm. and we're we're very different in a lot of ways which is cool because we get to kind of fill each other's gaps her filling my gaps more than me filling her she's pretty complete but <laughs> um 
she she does this thing where like let's say she's coming up we watched survivor before bed we're actually on season 40 it took us a year and a half but we've watched all of them you know noise but she came upstairs last night with some popcorn and she came up with a single bowl for me like mm-hmm. this is what you get she doesn't bring the bag yeah and um it's really interesting because she has some habits and behaviors that, you know, people would see her and she's always been very petite. And, you know, you see these things on magazine covers like, oh, they starve themselves to be so small. No, some people are kind of built like that. Like if I don't exercise, I get small. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sarah, she, when she's done, I'm like, hey, do you want a bite of this? She's like, I'm full. And she's not starving herself. She's like, no, I'm just full. She recognizes that. And she has these behaviors where it's like, yeah, here is the bowl of popcorn. I'm not bringing the bag. I don't need the whole bag. Would you say she's full or sometimes she's just satisfied? Two different things. Yeah, so for her, once she's once she has eaten what she is satisfied with, like she's done. She attributes That's that it. with being full maybe too. That's right. Like for her, I think it's one and the same. Yeah. But again, it's it's a very healthy thing and she really doesn't exercise with me almost ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that I needed somebody that would be really similar to me and want to exercise all the time. But she's like, no, go do you have your time. Yeah. And that's actually been huge. I really appreciate that about her. So. I'm similar to her in regards to my approach with food that I will get as soon as I'm satisfied, I'll stop eating. But that's counterproductive to what I want because I've always wanted to put on more size, more muscle. But when I'm done eating, I'm like, no, I'm full being I'm satisfied and I'm not one to force the food down after the fact. Right. So it's always kind of played against me. But it's also kept me like relatively a healthy a healthy weight, I guess. Well, if you're nice and lean, you can be a fitness influencer, right? Yeah, I can. <laughs> show off, show off my thick pack. Yeah, there it is. All right, so where are we at here? So we got into the atomic habit. You know, you had talked about when forming a habit, you wanted to kind of stick pretty close to your flow state. You want to discuss what that is a little bit? Yeah, there's a couple things. So when did you last read the book? Oof. A few months ago. Okay, so a few months ago, and we all know anyone listening to this knows you also have a big boy memory, like your big boy biceps. So with your big boy memory, you have like a supercharged memory. You hold a lot of information in. I just, I listened to the summary of this book last night, and I listened to it again this morning to try to retain the habits. It was a 20-minute summary. Broke down each chapter into maybe three to four minutes. Right. The, the key takeaways I had, though, and this is going to go hand-in-hand in hand with flow state, but the key takeaway was that a lot of people talk about motivation. We discussed this. And then a lot of people will talk about like, oh, motivation is garbage. Discipline is key. The The thing that actually trumps discipline, though, is actually strategizing and strategizing your habits. If those habits, again, the barrier to access is if it's easier to access and the reward is greater than, than the suffering, that's all proper strategy that can beat out discipline. Discipline then becomes easier. So rather than having like they think that people who are successful like yourself, you're in pretty good shape. You got your diet all in lock. It's, do you have amazing superhuman willpower, more willpower than everybody else on the planet? Or are you just strategizing, strategizing your day, strategizing your habits better? So that's kind of the big takeaway that I got that I've never really thought of in that sense is that because I, I was a discipline junkie for a while for me. I was like, oh, it's all about discipline, discipline. Even people have said that about me, like, well, you're in great shape because you're so disciplined. And maybe I just strategize as well underneath the tone. But going into flow state, I don't know how to draw this on YouTube. A word, I'm going to paint you a word picture. X and Y axis, That people can follow that. An, so the, the X axis is the horizontal one. Yeah, an, an X axis. Yeah. So the horizontal one is going to be your skill level. Right. The Y axis or the vertical one is going to be challenge. 
So achieving a flow state is kind of essentially going, what would you say, just right up the middle, like 45 degrees yeah. straight up the middle? Right around there, and there's kind of a, a gap between the two. Yeah, so essentially it would be to challenge somebody in their flow state. If you give somebody a workout plan, if they're a skill level 7 and the workout is a skill level 7, then they're in their flow state. Right. Whereas if you give an elite athlete who's skill level 8 and you give them a challenge workout of a 3, chances are that's going to lead to some boredom. Whereas if your skill level is low, if you're a rookie and you're doing a super challenging workout, that causes anxiety. And you see people who, you know, like I've seen, I've, we've been in the gym for 10, 15 years. I've seen people who throw up and then they get embarrassed and then they don't want to come back to the gym because they were in that anxiety danger zone, which also could lead to injury in regards to just exercise alone. Totally. The key part to the flow state, though, is actually just dancing with a line of uncomfortable. That's where people find the most reward. If something's a little bit more of a struggle, it feels a little bit more rewarding because you overcame overcame that obstacle. So you're a skill level eight athlete, so we're going to put you at a challenge of a nine, something that just makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but it feels more rewarding because you actually got it. Right. So that, that correlates to the habit that you're trying to set up as well. You're a rookie person who's going to the gym. Well, I've never worked out before. I'm level two. But I'm going to work out seven days a week, and I'm going to do a crazy keto diet, and I'm going to do all these things. It doesn't really correlate well, with that I, flow state. That's The flow state is a really important thing for me. Matching somebody's skill level to the challenge level is, is actually a big takeaway for me from that book because you think about the challenge that people present themselves with. They think that it, like if you if you believe that it's lots of discipline or lots of willpower, there's some really good research on the fact that willpower is actually finite. So that was also in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So the more that you challenge willpower, you're going to get to the end of your current willpower. And when you do, that's when you have the blow up. Right. So, you know, this speaks again to the idea that you want to choose one step and people had a hard time even in answering this question, sticking to one thing. Mm -hmm. And again, the success of a new habit goes down exponentially, even adding a second action. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a really important piece. Um, that whole thing of willpower being finite is very, very interesting to me, like thinking that you can only have so much throughout the day. So if you end the day with chocolate in your face or a bottle of wine, like you're in the living room watching TV and there's the wine the wine rack right beside the fireplace and you're staring at it at the end of the night, like that's that's challenging your willpower, especially if you like to have a glass of wine at the end of the night. Yeah, and, you know, the other side of that is... A glass of wine a day, especially red, is it can be very, very healthy for you. So planning that out and strategizing how that's going to fit into your day is a good thing. I would actually ask people to have their wine with their meal because it's going to have less of an impact uh, on the negative side and mm -hmm. the same one on the positive end. Yeah. So this isn't a talk about eliminate all the good stuff. This is more a talk of, you know, how is this going to fit? Because I actually think that most people run this line of, well, you must look X, Y, and Z or perform X, Y, and Z because you gave up all of this. And it's like, no, I, I solo a pizza with the best of them. It's just the rest of my day of eating isn't normal when I do that. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm, I'm going to have a smaller meal in the morning and likely in the afternoon because I know I'm going to solo that pizza and I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to feel guilty. That's a crazy cycle to start. Mm -hmm. So, But that, that kind of falls in with neuroplasticity of, what you do as far as behavior, you buy yourself more of because you're ingraining that behavior. Yeah. So like even the behavior of blowing up and feeling guilty about it, that is something you really got to be careful with because that can be a pattern that you create for yourself that you run. 
And when you run that cycle, that is that can be really, really hard on people. I, I've discussed that on my other podcast, and we called it yo-yoing. Yeah. Or was it like a yo-yo form where it's like you go like let yourself go and then pull it all back and then let yourself go and then pull it all back again, that all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually, unfortunately, I think that's the normal because the, the human system is actually homeostatic. It wants to come back to a normal. So usually when people change something, they end up coming back to kind of what the normal was in a lot of cases. And I think that's something that we have to work on. You had one more thing you wanted to discuss. It was temptation building, I think. Yeah, there was two other little takeaways. I'm actually surprised that I forgot that willpower was finite because I really like that. That's interesting. One of the takeaways, very simple, was that the number of reps that you performed was more important than the time that you would put into those reps. So something I've been working on is trying to just meditate or have mindfulness at the end of the night. And a lot of people have that all or nothing mentality of, well, I got to do a 20 minute or a 30 minute meditation, which is a nightmare to me, by the way, like just brutal. It's a recurring bad dream. uh, Yeah. Something like that. Just my brain just, it's not, it's not happy like this past year with the job change and COVID and everything. It's been a big year, big two years, but the time, where was I going? Mindfulness, doing a two minute meditation every day versus doing a 10 minute one where I feel like a failure because my brain's moving around too much, 10 minute meditation, then not doing it for a couple of days. So it's better even just to do one minute a day with some kind of task like that. But you had a rebuttal or a, a different way of looking at that. Well, the the other side of that is, so this this idea of, of kind of drip feeding, mm-hmm. I do that with exercise with people often, especially people dealing with back pain and things like this. I'd rather them take 10 minutes a day to exercise rather than just two days a week because as far as their neurological learning process, they can actually learn the patterns, practice the patterns so they can use them the rest of the day um, if they do this little sipping, I call it, right? Mm-hmm. So especially people that aren't really like the gym people, they, they're, oh, I'm not a gym person. It's like, well, but you have a body that moves. Like you are an exercise, a movement person. You are, yeah. whether you see yourself as that or not. But it's interesting because I use that strategy and, and I really like it, but... On the other side of it, when you look at happiness research, they'll be talking about like, okay, if you go and volunteer 10 minutes a day, um, likely it's not going to impact your happiness. Whereas if you were going to do that versus doing 70 minutes on a Saturday, that's going to impact your happiness. So they call it chunking. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting concept. It's kind of, it's almost inverse when it comes to habit forming, this kind of sipping is a really good mentality. Mm -hmm. Whereas when it comes to something um, to, to impact your overall happiness level and really give you the sense of fulfillment it's more of this kind of chunking idea where it actually impacts your happiness level more to actually have that experience that's focused into a zone where that can be your focus so do you feel like that chunking idea goes hand in hand with the um more struggle more struggle more investment more commitment equals equals that larger happiness I think so. Happiness research is interesting because it really only started in like the mid 90s or something. Before that, they would often study um, depression and and why people are sad. Mm -hmm. Then they started studying happiness. So, but yeah, I think it's more like it's an event that you can remember where you had an impact rather than this is just part of my day and it can kind of fold into the cracks. But that's kind of what I'm talking about where I can see why it's opposite because exercise or a healthy diet that that should kind of fold into the cracks because it's a consistency that you want to just meld into behavior yeah versus if you're 
If you're going out there with the set goal of I want to have an impact, you want to actually put that time in there, chunk it so that you can remember like, here's what I did, here's what I went through, and here was the outcome from that. Yeah. So, but if you did that with exercise, it would, it would be very similar to, well, I need to brush my teeth like three minutes a day. So what I'm going to do is on Monday, I'm going to do for the whole week. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to do 20 minutes of teeth brushing. Your gums are just raw. Ooh, that's a bad picture. Some people treat exercise that way though. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That goes hand in hand with the methodology almost of grease the groove where it's like yeah. doing, do something, a small piece, like 60% effort every day rather than doing hundred percent twice a week. Did you just quote Pavel Satsulin? I did, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like him. Good old Pavel. The last little piece that I got out of the book was called Temptation Bundling. And I'm going to... We didn't discuss this, but I think this kind of makes sense. Temptation Bundling is pairing the habit that you want with something that you love. I think in a gym mentality, an example that I can give with that is a lot of people love sugary food. So some people would do temptation bundling by pairing up like their post-workout meal or like at the end of their workout. I've seen a lot of people start doing like cereal, like cinnamon toast crunch, anything like heavy hidden to get into the vein like right after the workout. (laughs) So they take that like, well, I did my workout and now I get my treat. And that's the sugary cereal. Whether it's portion controlled or not, it's just an example of temptation bundling. Yeah, I think that can be a really good thing because it's kind of like when we talk about Pavlov's dog, right? Like... When we look at the cue cycling, it's like, okay, so once we have this cueing and I've, I've done this behavior, I've got the response, what's the reward? If we pair another reward together with that, you know, you ring the bell, the dog starts slobbering and it's salivating. Yeah, you, better, you better say what this, this is before So Pavlov's dog is they would, they would give him food, they would ring a bell and then they give him food, ring a bell and give him food over and over. So eventually it got to the point where you ring the bell and the dog's slobbering. Yeah. It's like, well, that that signaling doesn't make any sense for that response. They paired the bell with food. But they paired the bell with food. So if we if we use that to our advantage, it can be a really good thing. Really important for me is that the reward isn't always something of food because, you know, people can blow up a good workout. So people just slobbering at the end of their workouts <laughs> waiting <laughs> for that cereal. <laughs> give, me that, give me that cinnamon toast crunch. Well, yeah, you know, and slobbering everywhere is not a good thing. <laughs> Well, the thing for me is that that one is an example of you want to use that really intelligently because you don't want to blow up your the intention of your workout with what you're having after. The thing that you love, like that cinnamon toast crunch, better not be more rewarding than the actual like finishing of the gym, like because right. then you can just skew the uh, the reward, I guess. Yeah. And you're like, I can eat cinnamon toast tr- crunch with outgoing to the gym yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i find too that a lot of people i see a lot of people in the gym that their reps aren't meaningful Mm, yeah so like they're getting there it's like ging 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 the weight is too light there's no time under tension no real intent and because of that they're not really getting stimulus that they'd want so they don't see results so they stop and one of my current clients greg he told me when we started listen what i need to see is results because for me, I've tried this a few times in the past and it didn't seem like my efforts were getting me anywhere. So the reward was missing. But in the first month, he's like, man, you know what? My wife asked me about my arms. <laughs> I was like, oh, weird. How did that feel? Um, but he's been a consistent guy and he's performing better. He's a He rides a motorcycle and also a pedal bike. And that's kind of what he started training for. And he's like, yeah, the reward is there, man. Like I can see how it applies. I can ride better. I feel better. My wife noticed. People are asking me like... Um, so it's, it's really interesting when it goes well and all of a sudden the exercise starts becoming the reward that that's really when you know, things are going well. I wanted to highlight what you said too, about reps with intent. 
because I used to talk about it as intensity was more important, but I think intent goes a little bit more of a step further because you can pair intent with intensity and like technique and like proper stimuli yeah. versus just, again, in a simplistic form, I would just argue like, well, an amazing program is garbage with garbage intensity. But if you just do pure intensity with garbage stimuli and garbage um, garbage programming, like both, then that, that's not very good either. So intent is a nice, like, well-rounded way to put it all together. Yeah, you got to fit within the, within the boundaries. You can make a really similar chart for a successful program. Like, you want to fit within the boundaries of your intensity needs to be within a certain realm and your intention needs to be within a certain realm because if you're just going for straight intensity, likely the quality isn't going to be there and... Without intention, we don't really know what we're trying to establish, but we can get on a big tangent with that. So Intent also loops right back into the initial habit building of why are you doing this? Love it. Yeah. So really what we've gotten to here is we have our deep work first, like what is it that I'm trying to accomplish specifically and why do I want that? Mm -hmm. What am I willing to go through to do it? I do this with my clients just saying, how many days a week do you have? How much time can you give? What equipment do you have? Those are the logistical questions trying to get to, okay, well, once I've understood the why behind it, I know the goal specifically, we've done a smart goal set, but the really the why behind it is kind of where the rubber hits the road. Then we start doing our logistics and that's really planning behavior change, which is a super important piece that people miss out on. It's not just getting the exercise in, it's actually planning to make this an ongoing thing. And I had a few people write me messages. I asked a question on my Facebook this week saying, you know, what's, what's one of your biggest issues with the fitness industry? And I had a few people write back saying, well, these 12 week programs, you know, what are you going to have after you're done with that? And I'm not against short-term programming. You can accomplish a lot in a short period of time, but you have to have a re-entry strategy as well. If you're going to do that, because mm -hmm. you know, 12 weeks to the rest of your life, that's a big sell, man. So for me, I see it as a, a larger process than just that, but that can be part of the solution. I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that either. So, mm -hmm. but really getting into it, we've talked about the deep work. We've talked about habit forming, which I think is the big matzo ball that needs to happen first. Now let's discuss, okay, let's pretend that that question was surfacy. Well, with that question, I think the why or that inner work, again, we didn't really discuss on how challenging it actually is to get to the bottom of it. Like I've True. talked, I've talked with a lot of clients over the last 10 years where that's the hardest thing. Like if you, if you're not comfortable enough with yourself to identify the negative thing that you're experiencing and why you want that positive thing, like if you're only willing to just be like, well, I want, I want to be in shape. Okay. Well, well, why? Well, you know, I just think it would be smart, but if they're severely obese or severely injured or whatever the case may be, they have these bad habits like smoking, drinking, bad food, whatever the case is, if they can identify that they're trying to take away a negative that's actually causing them emotional trauma, if they're not ready to identify that, then it's hard to actually get into that why. And I think that some people also believe their own BS when they tell themselves what their why truly is. So digging into that, I think is more of a challenge than what we're actually just, it, it seems so easy to just be like, well, identify your why. Uh, yeah. Uh, easier said than done. This is, this involves going, going kind of into the belly of the beast. Okay. Uh, the challenge with it is that you actually have to confront the stuff that you don't like and don't want. Yeah. And that's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. It's uncomfortable, but you know, it's easy to say, get uncomfortable, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, but actually doing that can be really challenging, especially when you're dealing with significant issues, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, that's one of those things. It can't be can't be just glazed over that's a whole conversation on its own though that one so 
let's say we're getting into the more logistical part of things. It's like, okay, so if we agree that, you know, getting the, the smart goal setting done, understanding your why, and then strategizing um, the behavior change, those are the keys here. I think that we can agree on that, yeah? So let's say we've gone through that process. It's like, okay, so I've established this is a good goal. It's specific, it's measurable. There's intention behind it and a good why. So now I'm planning out the habits that I'm gonna do. The question is, you know, when you look at our data, we have a lot of people that are on the side of food and then people that are on the side of exercise. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to do kind of a point counterpoint to end this out. I think that the big matzo ball in this podcast is to, to discuss, you know, the real question is why do you want that? If it's societal, you've got no teeth behind that. If you actually have a good reason for it and put a good strategy behind it, it's much more likely to be successful. But if we distilled it down, we've got all that in place, diet or exercise, we're gonna do point counterpoint. Are you going to choose diet or exercise? If you had one thing to do with somebody, are which you, one are you choosing? Are you forcing me into this? Is it just A or B or is there C? There's no C. Where was it? There was a movie that they're like, oh yeah, gun to your head, gun to your head. You pull it out, grab another one, do this, do that. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? I don't. So you're forcing me into a decision, diet or exercise. I'm not allowed to say anything else, just one word. Uno wordo. <laughs> okay. It's not how I feel, but I'll say exercise for me first you trying to do force me to the other side so i'd say i'd say exercise too i want i want to i want you to steal man my argument though that's when that's when you say okay this is why i feel this way so the reason like the way i truly feel as i truly feel like it depends and i feel like potential future episodes for us that word's going to get thrown around quite a bit being it depends it depends on the person but for me i feel like exercise is a better place to start i don't know if i said it at the start of the podcast if we were recording or not but i said when people need to change up their diet, they need to take away, typically they need to take away things and replace it with good things, but taking away Coca-Cola and replacing it with water is kind of like taking away something that's delicious and adding it with something that's kind of bland. I like water, but for most people, they would view it that way. I'm taking away something I like and I have to replace it with something that is less desirable. Whereas with, if you start with exercise first, you're just adding in some movement and that movement typically, you know, a lot of people don't like to start but most people say that once I'm warmed up, once I'm here, once I've started, once I'm in the like in the game, that it feels good and I feel better. And then they can leave that. And there's like a compounding hormonal response that makes them feel good after their exercise. So for me, I feel like it's easier to just leave the nutrition as is for now and start with a little bit of movement and start feeling good from the movement. And then maybe down the road, I've actually seen it myself personally, where people's nutrition is not very good for the first three to four months, but they've just working on the habit of just getting to the gym. That's the only thing we're working on is just get to the gym. Six months down the road, they got the habit locked in of going to the gym and they love it. It's a good thing now. Now they're like, man, you know what would complement my gym going even more? If I tighten up my diet a little bit, I bet you my results would come faster, right? And that's kind of temptation bundling now because they love the gym and now they're going to yeah. bundle in. Well, and so I agree with you. I know it's a surprise for you. So in 2008 or nine, I had a few girls come to me to do training and you're married females that i trained nothing inappropriate uh, i was married then too p.s um i've been married a long time already yeah. it's crazy but um yeah so these when i was training these people like they i was asking them what they wanted and whatever else and it came to light that they were having problem eating habits so 
you know, a couple of them were, had uh, taken on bulimia as a strategy and one of them uh, had gone kind of the anorexic type zone. And when I asked them, you know, is this new or old? Um, they all had come back to this. No, I never dealt with this. But in my adult life, I started doing um, competitions, figure competitions and, and stuff like this. I'm not against those by any stretch. I was actually actively training people for those back then. But it kind of scared me away from the diet side of things. And I'm not saying that's right, but it's it's what happened. I felt like this sort of dysfunction I can't be party to. Mm-hmm. So I actually stopped doing nutrition for people for a long time. And the reason that I stopped was because I felt like there was so much dysfunction being caused by it that I just didn't want to be party to it. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I've been on the side of start people exercising. And I think you could actually make a scientific kind of position on this you'd say well does diet really upregulate the neurochemicals and balance them the same way as exercise i don't have research on the diet portion but i do have research on the exercise portion Mm -hmm. and the answer is yes we talked about this last time with the book spark by john j ratay and um when we talk about all of the neurochemicals being balanced out and and the increases in brain-derived neurotrophic factor for learning and all these things these are all positive things in a reward system in themselves. And I also believe that people, when, when exercise is done well, that they're going to build confidence and self-efficacy just based on the idea that they know what they're capable of and they can see how they can improve that. Mm-hmm. So I believe that starting with exercise can be a very good thing because it builds this sort of snowballing momentum that you can start talking about food decisions and, and that sort of stuff. And I have a fair chunk of clients that they've really pressed it hard on in the past on on diet and they're like listen I don't want to track that takes me down a bad road and I'm like okay that's cool like let's get your exercise dialed in and let's talk about a strategy that makes sense other than tracking mm-hmm. and to me that can work really well so I'd be on that side as well this was supposed to be point counterpoint what you're trying to this is point 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 and also point in a simplistic matter of looking at it too I think exercise it, it creates more awareness every day because if I eat 10 cookies yesterday, I don't really feel it today. I don't really remember it aside unless I want more cookies. Whereas <laughs> if I exercise, if I exercise yesterday, most people are like, oh man, like so for me, I, I actually like really enjoy that feeling of some light soreness. I like to feel like, ooh, oh man, that's sore. Oh, I feel that. Like it's kind of, it's a, it's an indicating factor for a lot of people that like, oh, I exercised and it uh, complements that. So there's a, there's even like, that's what I was talking about. The awareness of even after the fact, like you exercise today and you felt good because you worked out and then tomorrow you feel it and you're like, oh damn. And then you're like, you, you see everyone talk about like, oh man, my back's so lit from yesterday. What, what a good workout. And it has that like additional factor to it yeah i think that takes a while to develop in the early stages it's very rare to find somebody being like yes i'm sore usually they're like oh my god i hate this it does happen sometimes though i would say a lot of people look for that soreness though we can get into that in a different episode but people identify a successful workout with being sore yeah depending on the stimulus that's not always appropriate but again that's a topic for another workout Mm -hmm. another another workout another Another work another verbal workout yes indeed i like to break a mental sweat too (laughs) okay are you reading the dictionary ron burgundy no it's white goodman what the dodgeball are you reading the dictionary (laughs) Ah, you caught me (laughs) reading i like to break a mental sweat too yeah so we agree on we actually agree on that which yeah I'm, i'm not surprised i am impressed though um so but this brings us to the conversation on diet. I don't think this is a wrong place to start. I don't think that there is a right and wrong. Um, I think this is an individual undertaking. So some people 
if they're not really ready to get to work on working out or they have bad experiences in the past, they don't identify themselves as like, you know what, I'm a gym person. There's a lot of limitations that can come there. And for a lot of people, just starting with the diet can actually have very positive effects too. It's like, well, you know what, I just... Uh, my client Derek, he's lost seventy pounds. Uh, he was, he was actually declared permanently disabled due yeah. to his back injury, and he lost over seventy pounds. And he started that whole thing out with fasting. Mm-hmm. That was the answer for him. And we can get into the conversation on you know what's the right thing to do for diet. But I'm going to say that when it comes to diet, it is going to be heavily individual for what works for you. I'm not a huge fan of well, it has to be keto or it has to be intermittent fasting or it has to be this or that. I do elements of lots of different diets, but I've kind of tailored something towards myself that works for me. And for me, it's not just about body comp. It's in fact, very little about that. It's more about function. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find a way to eat that can preserve function. So it's very, very particular for me. And I think that's what it needs to be when it comes to diet. You need to individualize very similar to exercise it's best done when you treat that person as a number of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it all boils down to, it depends with, it depends on everything with diet. Um, my brain's losing it. Carry on. <laughs> what did you say, sir? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll take it up. I'll take it up. You know, I will. Uh, when it comes to diet, I don't think that labeling something I'm keto now, I'm vegan now, I'm this, I'm that. I don't have any milk. I'm not vegan though. I actually often will kind of tongue-in-cheek refer to how I eat as meat-based vegetarianism, Mm -hmm. which, you know, some people think is funny and some people think is super inappropriate, but I have a lot of veggies. I have a lot of meat, so meat-based vegetarianism is a funny way to say it. Mm -hmm. The idea for me is that if we can find something that somebody's willing to do and they feel good with, for, like I said, my client Derek, fasting is the thing for him that worked really well. Um, Another guy that I've trained, Alex, his his concept of, you know what, I'm going to have my fiber in the morning. My, my overnight oats is a big deal. Sets me off on the right foot. That's a great thing too. I don't want to take anything away from that. At the end of the day, when it comes to diet and exercise, it needs to be what that person is willing to do. And you'll hear me talk trash about, well, they don't even know their training stimulus and they just think they have to work hard every day. If that person's health indicators are good and they feel good, somebody says, well, I walk every day and I can do all the things that I want and I'm happy with that. I don't really want to lift weights. I'm going to say one word, good. Like if you're getting what you want out of the exercise you do, Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of where it comes to for me. It's, it's not a predefined, this is the right answer. It's really hard to say this is the right answer. There's so much individuality. Yeah. As soon as I put the ball in your court and forgot what I was saying, as soon as you started talking, it popped back in my Did brain. Did you forget again? No. Okay, say it. Let's go. <laughs> um, again, a topic or a different episode, but people's relationship with food is another big category that needs to be discussed. And I don't want to get into it too heavy right now, but like their relationship with food, I had one response that the one unique response for me out of my Facebook question was talking about educating people on what their relationship for food looks like. And this was a mom who talks to her kids about what the food actually does for them and i remember she whether i'm just putting words in her mouth i seem to do that pretty good with people let me speak for everybody let me just speak for her a hundred percent she read this book called how not to die have you heard of that book i have yeah yeah and it talks i haven't read it i bought it but i'm also reading like four books right now 
how not to die though i think it talks a lot about what like like which foods are good which foods are bad and why they're good for you and things like that i'm assuming that's kind of the premise yeah i think they actually pulled from research on the longest living um, populations in the world mm-hmm. and like yeah like high quality foods like good indicators on what to eat but again identifying people's relationship with food like is it is it just fuel for you is it a, is it resistance is it a barrier to entry or is it something that you celebrate with like lj talks about food just on a very flat level of you just eat eat to fuel and eat like healthy for the most part and anytime he's going to eat bad food it's more of like a um a tribe like thing like you're gonna you're gonna eat pizza with your tribe like rather than going and ordering a pizza like an extra large by yourself and watching a movie at night and hiding it from people versus celebrating like having pizza with your friends and family and having a couple beers and celebrating like that's a different relationship with food yeah, the relationship with food thing, I kind of went on a tangent last time. Um, I see it as an accommodation. It's either going to make you feel a certain way or give you a certain result. Mm-hmm. So when we say relationship with food, I see it as a bad relationship because I never treat a person as a means to an end. But that's how I treat food. And that's, how I think, arguably how we all treat food. Mm-hmm. It does something for us, whether that's fuel, making me feel a certain way, or buying me a certain result. That's That's kind of our food. Yeah. So when it comes to diet, my, my big question is, do you even like what you eat? Like for me, I started drinking coffee black because I don't, I don't actually have milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put oat milk in it or something like this, but I started drinking it black to see if I even like coffee. And I actually do enjoy a black coffee now, which is shocking uh, because I used to have French vanillas from Tim Hortons, which is essentially sugar, sugar, sugar. to your veins. I would get that and the honey cruller together. Zing. Um, but yeah. When I look at food, the relationship thing is a really interesting commentary because I I actually see it as a bad relationship by nature. Mm-hmm. So how do I use food would be a better question for me. But that's that's for another episode. Basically coming to the end of this question, my view of the matter is that the inner work needs to happen first. I'm really happy that uh, more than a couple of people actually said that. Um, smart goal setting is a good concept. The trans theoretical model of behavior change was mentioned as well. And that's like your pre-contemplation, contemplation, action and maintenance phase followed by relapse. But that whole model for me is pretty surfacey and it does help inform decisions for sure. But at the end of the day, for me, if you do that inner work of, you know, what is the actual specific thing that I want? What's on the line? Why do I actually want it? And what am I willing to do to get it? then it's like, okay, well, I'm, that might be a good goal. Then let's strategize the habits and behaviors. I think starting there is going to be much more successful than just saying, well, weight loss. Well, you know, I think that it's 80% diet and 20% exercise. Like, uh, you know, even that's, even if that's the case with body comp, forming the habits to actually do both at the same time is not just a couple week process. This is, this is something that I think is most successfully done when you inform your life going forward by making decisions you can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, the takeaway, simplified again, like we can go lots of different routes for it. But like I said, at the start, I was a little torn. I was thinking very logistics wise, which is not always the case because the why is always on the back burner for me. But I was thinking logistics. I was thinking exercise first. But as people started to talk, like every person that answered my Facebook, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's an interesting spot to start. Whether I agreed with him or I didn't, I kind of just said like, yep, that's an interesting thought. Like just trying to be very open rather than like close off. Like I have the answer and you guys don't. And I'm going to lay the answer down after. So I was more just trying to absorb information 
after I absorbed all the information, I thought about it. I did think that like identifying the why is the biggest factor. Granted, I think maybe when we asked this question, people thought that they were looking for that logistic or tangible response because how like how long do you think people like someone needs to actually think about the why? Is it like when you think about the why, is that a a two minute like subconscious bloop? Or is it something where you actually need to take a pen to paper and actually write down that intention and like put that intention into the universe or say that intention to somebody or say it on social media as a form of accountability. I've used social media for accountability before. Look, I'm going to do a handstand every day. I'm going to post it on my story. So people like it's my own personal accountability, whether people cared or not. I felt like there was that intention there that I told people. Right. Yeah. I think it can be a big process. Um, People find it shocking when I say I don't actually care what my client's body comp is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually don't like if if I have somebody who isn't focused on their body comp and that's not what they're in their exercise for right now why would I care I have I have some people that one of my clients Steph I very much appreciate her she's a beauty uh, I ask her to do her workout she sends me videos of her like holding a plank and her son is running his little Tonka truck into her back and she's just holding it like still holding that's what I do with clients all the time <laughs> yeah. Tonka trunk right <laughs> into the back yeah he, he was in his like I don't know. It's not Hot Wheels. Is it Hot Wheels? The one that you can actually drive? And he was like ramming her and she's still holding up like, yeah, no big deal. But Steph came to me because she had back pain that was unresolved for years. She thought she was just going to live with it going forward. We're getting to the point now where she's pretty much resolved and she's she's talking about like, well, people say don't lift that because you're back. And I'm like, that's not me anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting for me. But we had this conversation on people accepting themselves and, and whatever. And I think that there is this piece that, you know, if you're at a healthy body comp, you don't always need to be trying to get leaner. And for me, if you're consistently in a fat loss phase, that's probably getting to the point of dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that the inner work of, you know, what do I actually want right now? And what am I willing to do to go get it? Um, that that is huge it can take a long time but actually getting an answer to that and creating the strategies to make sure that you're successful trumps motivation every time in my view i you'll hear me say motivation is garbage because it creates self-loathing in people more often than not i don't feel like doing it today i must be bad it's like well no that's that's a natural part of exercise if you have the uh, the actual habits behaviors and and network set up to make sure that you're doing what you want to do, then it's going to be much more positive than yeah. Motivation, discipline, willpower can all be trumped by like proper strategy and baby sets, like baby steps, baby sets, baby sets. Yeah. Baby sets are before the big boy sets. That's right. That's your warm up. We'll call it baby sets from now on. (laughs) So if you had one thing to say to the listener, to your clients after this whole discussion, what would it be? Yeah. If you're still with us, if you made it this far, I think it's start with why. And I think that translates to a lot of things. But for me, like it just summarizes, you need to start with your why and really dig into it, not just uh, a subconscious thought, setting some intention to it, writing it down or speaking to somebody about it, some sort of uh, more intention than just your subconscious mind for me. Yeah, for me, I think that it's really important that people qualify what they want to do with with themselves, Mm -hmm. like for you, not not informed by what our society says is right. Well, you have to start with diet. Not informed by anything like that. For me, this is what I want. Here's why I want it. And here's what I'm willing to do to go get it. So let's start strategizing. That that to me is a big win. Mm-hmm. So, well, if you've gotten this far, thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully it's not too long. You're 
your attention span can hold it. Uh, if you want to throw us a like, a follow, um, that Apple, would be awesome. Apple Podcast Review. Oh, hell. We need to look at those next time. We also need to strategize our next episode, which we haven't done. I think we'll do that off the air. Absolutely. We'll talk about that and maybe post it on our social medias on what episode four is going to look like. Four or five? Five. Five. Uh, five. Episode five. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. We'll talk about the weekly wins next week. Weekly wins. Bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloop.